Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're starting the series Live Love. And, I, and I'm ex- always excited about what we're doing in our series. If, we, if, we, if I wasn't, we wouldn't be doing it. But there's something unique about these words that we're bringing meaning to, to live love. I want you to think about the, your needs and your, you think of what we need in life. We need the bare necessities. We need food. We need water. We need shelter. But we can survive. But if we're lacking love, it does something to us. It affects us. In fact, they've done really look the fact that is that when people have not been loved, it's affected them greatly. Love, lack of love has been proven to damage lives and even life or death. Back in probably the well late 80s, early 90s when Soviet Union collapsed and there was just a lot of chaos and a lot of conflict and war that was going on. And these former Soviet countries, there's great, great devastation that took place. And so children being the most vulnerable were affected. There's so many children that were orphaned, either their parents died in war or they were put in orphanages because they were going to starve. Many people rushed to the aid to build orphanages and to provide for these children, but they missed one key ingredient. They missed something that's so important that we all need. They, they had the medicine, they had the shelter, they had the food, they bare essentials. But what they found was, is that babies were dying at an alarming rate. They had everything. There was adequate heat, there was adequate shelter, everything they had. But it, they were dying and they figured this out. There wasn't enough caregivers for those children. There was not enough human contact to hold those babies. And so babies died because they were not given love. They were not, and so there was this huge push across the world, and maybe you remember hearing about this in the early 90s, uh, and especially like in Romania. It was war-torn Romania, and people rushed there. They didn't need medical skills. They didn't need any, they didn't need to learn any training or anything. All they needed to do was have two arms to be able to hold these children, and it proved that we all need From the youngest age to the oldest age, we need love. Love is is the blood that flows through our emotional veins. And we need it every phase and stage of our lives to be loved. So this simple title series is really about that. And I'm looking forward to this as we unpack it. But here's the question as we get going. What does it mean to live loved? What does it mean to live loved? Lisa Turkhurst shared, she was kind of doing a work, and she had it, something was titled Live Love that I came across. And so she asked kind of a social media response to the survey, what does it mean to live love? She, she found these are some of the responses she had was, to know for certain my life matters to those I love and who love me. That's what someone text, you know, put back. To be seen, to be heard, to connect Deeply with one another, someone put. To have an interaction that energizes, not depletes my life. Where both people benefit. To receive love and be able to convert that into loving others. A constant exchange in relationship. 
Those are different ways. Those are great ex examples of someone expressing what does it mean to live love. But I bet you would have an answer to that. You would probably say to you, what does it really mean to live loved? You could add to that. It's no uh, overstatement that we need this love in our lives, not just to survive, though there's the element that I just talked about, but if we're wanting the quality of life that God intended for us, it always comes back to it. And the reality is God is that. 1 John 3, or I'm sorry, 1 John 4, who is called the beloved of the disciples, wrote this. He says this, very simply, God is love. His very existence, his very character is love. And you think about that, that's probably the most misunderstood truth in our entire world. Now, why is it? Well, we live in a very loveless world, don't we? I don't know where you, you kind of go through life and you're kind of like, you're, you're kind of like, where's the love? Maybe you've asked that before. If you're in, at work or at school or you, you turn on the, the TV or social media or whatever, there's just a lot of cruelty nowadays. People are kind of going unfiltered and expressing however they want to feel. And so what we, what we find in our world is actually opposite. We, we find conflict and abuse and neglect and just the harshness is there. And we're just kind of going, God, where are you? If you're the God of love, where, where does this all fit in? And well, we always need to go back in every single circumstances when we talk about love and perfection and God's love, that why it's not there is because it's the biggest issue is sin. Sin brought us in this world, this sinful, messed up world, and we have a broken version of what love really is. See, I think love at its, at its best is actually just transactional. And it works like this. I'll love you if you love me back. I'll do this for you if you do this for me back. If you give me love, I might consider loving you back. And we have this interaction. And in one way, it's not a bad thing because it's, you know, but what it does is this idea of unconditional love or no strings attached is really, really hard for us. And with that broken version of love, it brings doubt, it brings mistrust, it brings selfishness, and it really brings insecurity in our lives. But yet God who is love and everything about him is love, his perfect love. This morning I want to touch on this to, to make it so foundational is to know is that God out of his love, and he is love, is this, that he loved us first. That he loved us first. Listen to how John continues. He says, verse 10, he says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Now I don't know, do you, do you remember your first love? Remember, maybe it was in high school at the prom, or maybe it was even way back on the playground at the elementary school, puppy love, right? You, you held hands. You, you might remember those moments of that first love, but can I tell you that wasn't your first love? I mean, meaning not you loving anyone, but you being loved first is that God loved us first. If you're a parent, you can relate with this, is that you love that little baby that was born before it even had the knowledge of itself and even the ability and intellect, even emotional level to love you back. That's how God sees us. He loved us first. And, and so powerful, he proved that love. John continues in verse 10. He says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And then he says this, how do he proved it? Sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In a few minutes, we're going to end our time here with 
around the communion table. And we're going to be preparing for that. But before we get there, let me just say the very heart of this series as we do this is this. When, we, when you know that you are loved, it makes all the difference in the world. Now, I want you to lean in that a little bit. When you know you're loved, when you know deep down you're loved, you feel value, you find significance, you find meaning in your life, you know there's another being in this universe that, that's really loving you, what does it do to you? It fills you. It, it fills the emptiness in your life and it, and it empowers you and it gives it, it empowers you in a way to give you the ability to go and love others, to really truly make a difference in the world around you because it's made a difference in your life. That's our focus of what we're trying to do. Not love for ourselves, but being live loved and doing something as live love people that can transform the people around us and even the community around us. And today I want to look at one of those examples. And it's probably one of the well-known passages of Scripture. We've talked about it over and over probably for a number of years. But I want to bring us back to a woman who was impacted and expressed the love. and, And it was very tangibly expressed one day with Jesus. I want to look at It's in John chapter 4. We're going from 1 John 4, I just read, to John, same author, chapter 4 in the Gospels. And it starts off where it talks about that Jesus is with his disciples and they had left, they had come from Jerusalem and they're heading their way to home. They're basically going back to Galilee. And it says this in verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Now, I want you to picture something here, is Jesus is being very human here. You know, you need to know that Jesus was all God, is all God, but he was very human, all human. And here he is, tired and thirsty and need. Now, if you were Jesus... Would you not, if you're tired and thirsty, kind of just use your God powers? Would you not just go, you know what, I'm really thirsty. Oh, here's a Slurpee. I just got one right here. No, he doesn't do that. He leverages his humanity. He leverages it to reach out to someone who is desperately needing a drink as well. A drink for love. Now, it's interesting. If you are a person of details in Scripture, it says that in verse it says, now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Now you read that and like going, okay, he had to go through Samaria, meaning this is that like geographically, that was the only way to get to where he needed to go. And that's not entirely accurate. Not that John's lying about that, but it was because what Jewish people did is they didn't go through Samaria. They went around Samaria. Why? Because those Samaritans are defiled people. We don't associate with them. And Jesus was Jewish. But Jesus, only being Jesus, he never avoided conflict. He never avoided a situation. He went right through it because he was compelled in the mission of love. And it says this, that he sat down at this well-known well. And, and John writes next, he said, when a Samaritan woman came to drink water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples have gone into the town to buy food. 
And you read this, you know, kind of like, oh, Jesus, your mission was to, to serve, not be served. And you're asking this woman to help you out. It's kind of chauvinistic, don't you think, Jesus, to do that? Again, Jesus is wanting to find a point of interaction with this woman because there's a deeper need that was in her life. And you need to know this is so significant, in fact, so taboo, that Jesus would interact with this woman. See, there and alluded to it already that Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. And so what it was, it was a lot of barriers. There was a political barrier. Jews didn't go in the territory where this well was. Racial barrier. Good Jews don't associate with what was considered half-breeds, not full Jewish people. And then there was a social barrier. She was a woman. Men did not talk to women who were strangers. It just didn't happen. But Jesus didn't care about barriers. Jesus didn't care about taboos. Jesus went and met this woman right where she's at that we're going to look at it. Why? Because when we know where first love is this, Jesus is willing to do whatever it takes to meet us where we are. Jesus is willing to do, do whatever it takes, do, go wherever it takes to meet us where we are. And I want you to think about for your life, what extreme did Jesus go to reach out to you? What did Jesus do to get to you that you're sitting here today? Because I bet there's a few people here a few years ago, you go, church, I wouldn't be caught dead in a church. And here you are today. And some of you even were smiling during worship that you like being here. Okay? This is an obligation. You are here. You want to be here. Why? Because Jesus touched your life. He transformed you. He didn't maybe do it directly in the sense you had a, you know, some kind of angel coming down from heaven or anything like that. You, he used somebody else that was also filled with great love for Jesus. And that spilled over into lives. And we'll see that happen here in the, the life of this woman. But Jesus met you where you're at. He pushed through the barriers, whatever they were, to get to you. And if you're here today and going, man, that sounds really nice. I wish that could be for my life. It's available for you. That Jesus wants to break through where you're at, to break through your mess, to break through your past, your issues that you have, your addictions you have, your attitude you have, your circumstances. Jesus wants to meet you where you are at, at the watering hole of your soul. But know this, because we are first love, is this, Jesus offers something that the world can never give us. He offers something the world can never give us. Jesus asks for water, and it's interesting, the woman went ahead, you know what she did? She made it more complicated. He is wanting water, and this is what she says. She says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Her tone of this was probably kind of like, do you realize who I am? I'm not Jewish. I'm not a man. I don't think you should be really talking to me right now. This isn't good. This isn't appropriate. But he is. He's reaching out. And it speaks also of detail that it was at noontime they're having this conversation. What's significant about that? Well, that's not when you fetch water back then. You didn't go at noon. You didn't go in the heat of the day, high noon to do that. You would go early in the morning to get water. Well, why didn't this woman go early in the morning? Because she didn't want to be around the people that were possibly harassing her, that other women would, would, women in the village would be harassing her. Why? Because she didn't fit in. She lived a different lifestyle. 
And so she didn't want to be shunned. She didn't want to be shamed. She didn't want the dirty looks any longer. So here she is by herself, face to face. Here she is, labeled an immoral person, as we're going to hear the reason why she was described that way. And she's facing the sinless son of God in front of her. So she's like asking me, are you, do you realize my past? Do you realize the choices I've made? Do you realize what I've gone through? Do you realize what they call me? They call me the town whore. Now, you maybe never had that title put upon you, but you, had, you and I, we've had labels put upon us. What we've done in our past and the, the circumstances that we've gone through, the situations we've been in, we've been labeled. We've been labeled a certain way, and some people can't get past those labels. But Jesus got past the labels. He got through the, past the barriers. And he sees us even beyond our problems to get down to what this woman truly, truly needs. He pushed all that aside. And what she needed was something to satisfy her thirsty soul. And what we discover is it's love. But she didn't live loved. She lived shamed. She lived rejected. She lived empty. And for you, you might be saying the same thing in your life. You've experienced some rejection. You've experienced, it's like, yeah, I'm living kind of hurt, not really love right now. And I want to encourage you that, that even though you've been rejected by others, you can, it never is exempt of God's love for you. See, when we live love, it, it settles us, it empowers us, and live love, what it does, it brings the best out for us. If we're willing to walk in that truth and understand what it really means to live loved. And this, this, this woman dealt with this label, but Jesus broke through this barrier, and he had an agenda for it. It wasn't about the water. It was something life-altering to satisfy her very thirsty, loved, thirsty soul of love. And verse 10, it says that Jesus answered her of this, if you think the gift of God and, and who it is ask for a drink, or if you, I'm sorry, if you knew the gift, uh, knew the gift of God who is that asks you for a drink, you should have asked him and he would have given you living water. And then she's like, what kind of, what are you talking about living? She says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with the the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as also his sons and his livestock? Jesus jumped to verse 13, replies to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, indeed, the water I give them will, will become in them a spring of water, welling up to an eternal life. This living water, what is this living water? It's something that deeply comes from the very heart of God. It's this very spirit. Anytime you see water in scripture, in reference to what God gives, it's the Holy Spirit, typically, that's poured out in our lives. And Jesus is saying, I've got water that's deep within my spirit to give your spirit. And then it's available to you to, to, to quench the, the emptiness and the, the well of your life. See, I, you need to think about this a little bit, is that each of us have wells that we turn to in life. The places that we're in need, 
We have wells of need of, of knowledge, of career. We have a well of fitness that we have to see fulfilled. It might be recreation, it might be relationship, it might be sex, it might be power. And in all of it, it's, it's consumption. The list of those aren't bad within the boundaries that God gives us. But if we're pursuing all of those and not pursuing the one that has it all, we're going to come short of that and we're going to run dry and we're always going to be in need. And I know we live in kind of the already not yet. Like there's still those things that are provided, nothing wrong with those things, but we're putting all our time and energy in that and not pursuing what ultimately God has. We are going to be dry. And this, the danger of that, some of you know and experience this, you went to other wells that were not, even, not very healthy at all. You went to deeper and darker wells. It's kind of like children in, in the third world. People in the third world don't have cl- uh, clean drinking water. You know, there's billions of people that don't have clean drinking water. They're building new wells to so bring fresh water. It's kind of like people drinking from a contaminated well. It makes them sick. It, it causes dysentery. It causes their lives completely, cha- you know, corrupts them from the inside out. When we drink of unhealthy wells, it's the same thing in our life. We need the fresh living water of God flowing in us and 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 through us. And that's what Jesus is really to this thirsty woman. And she's like, the woman said to her, as he says this living water, he says, sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to come here to draw water. You think she's probably still thinking about physical water? Probably so, but it's so much deeper. And what Jesus is doing is modeling to us to build this bridge of conversation to go to the wells of her very soul. And we need to not misunderstand where Jesus goes next of her point of need because he addresses her point of need at a point of brokenness. The living water that he's going to bring her is to meet her in her place of brokenness in her life. And it's all in the name of love. But sometimes love is confrontational. In fact, being first love, you could say it this way, Jesus gracefully but truthfully confronts our deep down thirst for love. So Jesus isn't being soft here about our circumstances and what we find out. Because verse 16, listen what he does. He told her. He, here she wants this water. And then his response to her is this. Listen, he goes, he go, go, call your husband and come back. I don't have, I have no husband, she said. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Jesus shocks this woman that it's almost the, the curtains lifted in her past. And she's like, I thought we were just talking about water over here, drinking. And you're wanting to go to level five in a conversation about my deep, dark secrets. I mean, if Instagram was around first, like, you were like reading my story here. You're following my story. What is going on? How do you know all this? But it's interesting that she's not offended. You know, you think as we're looking at this, it's quite the opposite. Here she is, and, and all we know is what Scripture says about her. We don't even know her name of this woman, but we know she's had these husbands, and she knows the guy she's probably living with is not her husband. And so she's in a place, what does it say? She's desperate for love. It's not about the dysfunction in her life and the brokenness. All that. It's all at a, for love, and, it, and she paid a great price to get that love. It reminded me recently as I came across a story, and I knew of this several years ago, 
And if you're my age and older, and when I say this name, you might remember it in history. Her, her name is Squeaky Fromm. Does anybody know the name Squeaky Fromm? A few of you do. Her real name is Lynette. And she was, just got out of prison a few years ago for 34, after 34 years in prison for trying to assassinate President Gerald Ford in 1975. And they asked her, what compelled you to want to do that? It's almost in, in, the, in the footage of it that she was in a trance, that she was just kind of forced to do it. And she says, Charlie told me to. Well, who's Charlie? The mad cult, madman cult leader, Charles Manson. And this is what was shocking, what she said. She said, why, why did you do that? He was the first man that loved and accepted me. And I will give my life to him. What people will do for love. People will kill for that deep down desire to fulfill their soul. This woman at the well, she needed, she had a quest for love. And she was running from this man to this man to this man, all looking for the right guy to love her. I'll tell you what, there's not one guy except the guy that's going to love us and love us deeply in a most perfect, amazing love. And she was staring at that guy and, and right in her face that's going to satisfy as we're going to look at her very, very soul. The reality is she had man issues. And here's the thing. We all have man issues. And you might be, you're, you're a guy here. You might be going, dude, I don't, I'm a man. I don't have man issues. Really? When you go about your life, what are you putting your energy and your thoughts and your worries in? What are you doing to try to please people, to shape your appearances, your choices you make, your words you're doing, the actions you take, all in trying to win the approval of someone or someone? What are you doing in your life where you find stress and strain and you feel like you're not good enough and you got the shaft over here and you got alienated and rejected over here and you're feeling criticized and you're, you're coming up dry and empty and alone and living what you're experiencing is living unloved. If you feel that today, let me encourage you. That is not God's intention for your life. Men and women, that is not what we're called to live and pursue. Jesus is sitting at the water hole of each of our lives, not to judge us, not to reject us, but says, come to me. I have and I can satisfy the longings of your soul for a deep down satisfying heavenly love that I want to give you. And my well never runs dry. Jesus loves us in that great love and this amazing love. And when he loves us that way, when you experience love this way, do you know what happens? It changes you. It transforms you. It, it bubbles over from the inside out. And you are like Buddy the Elf. I'm in love and I love and I got to tell the whole world. You remember Buddy the Elf? Okay. Some of you guys are with me. Okay. I don't know why that came out. But you got to tell everybody. You got to tell everybody. You just want in the transformation to happen in your life. That's what happened with this woman. It's amazing. That bubbled over. You know this finally. When our, when our love-thirsty soul is quenched, we can't help but tell others the source. The woman was a sponge. Her life was transformed. And she enthusiastically wants to share her experience with her entire village. Look at verse 4. Again, the subtlety of Scripture. You don't want to miss it. Verse, I'm sorry, verse 28, John 4. It says, then leaving her jar. What's the big deal? 
Her very reason of going to get the water is to satisfy her drink for that moment. She leaves a very vessel of substance of what she wants. She disregards it. She now is living water. She says, leaving her water, the woman came back to the town and said to the people, come and see the man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Jump to verse 49, or 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And she's not worried about that. She's not mad at that guy, that Jesus. She's not upset. She's not critical of him. She feels the love. It's like, you never believe what happened to me. He's the real deal. His, he knew my past. He knew my pain. He knew the hurt that I was going through. And he didn't reject it. He didn't, he didn't dismiss me. He embraced where I was. And I can't even describe in words what I experienced, but I know it's this. It's healing. It's wholeness. You got to meet him. You got to experience what he experienced. And so this is what happened in verse 40. He says, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more people, what happened, became believers. What was amazing is she didn't learn three easy ways to witness to her friends. She didn't take a class on how to share her faith. She didn't come up with little cute Instagram and and Facebook posts. I'm not against those. That's wonderful for you if you did them. I received them and I liked them. But they weren't transforming anybody. What was transforming was she had living water flowing through her and she couldn't help but to share it. And it spilled over. Look at verse 42. It says to the woman, we no longer believe, they said to her, just because of what you said. Now we've heard it for ourselves. And we know this man really is the savior of the world. Jesus quenched this woman so, so deep that it transformed her community. CTK North Bay. Is that not what we are about? Is that not, but as we have been transformed and as we experience what it means to, to be loved and then to now live love, do we not have a community that so needs to be loved? This pretty good crowd of people, but there's empty chairs. There's people that aren't sitting in these seats because they don't know that this is a place that truly accepts them for who they are, that truly loves them where they're at. And yes, at times, as Jesus does, brings confrontation, but that comes in time in relationship. Jesus wants to deal with the issues of their very soul like he dealt with this woman and dealt with us. But at the front end of it, people just need that love. They need that friendship. Just like Logan was expressing what drew Logan here was the community of love and the friends that he received and acceptance it transformed him it's the same for us if we would prof- think of this how profound that way if in drinking deeply but you can't give what you don't have the well is deep and Jesus offers this living water for us. He provided for us all that he accomplished for us was proven. Proven is love. He loved us first and he proved that love on the cross for us. In a moment, our ushers are going to prepare us. We're going to have a time of communion.
we're going to take a moment here and, and we're going to hold these communion elements, these, the, the bread and, the, and the, the cup that we're going to hold, all represent this perfect love, sharing with us and proving to us symbolically that God loved us first and provided Jesus to be that love and the sacrificial love he paid on the cross for us. As you receive them here today, if you're here and you go, I don't know if I'm really a Christian or not. I don't really know where I am on my faith. You can receive them and, and make a commitment to Christ today, or you can let it pass you by. But this is what us, we do as believers do. We remember what Jesus did for us. And so as you receive them, if you could hold them, and then we're going to eat and partake together. Team, go ahead and come forward now. And then we'll share together. Once in a while, someone will ask me, so how you living? And uh, like today, I'm living hurt, <laughs> dealing with some physical pain. Some of you might be, that might be your response, kind of living hurt, living, living, you know, some people living large. But most of the time we would say, if we were honest, we we're like, no, I'm living with rejection. Maybe I'm living with shame. I'm living with some, some pain, some emotional pain. I'm living, I'm living lonely. Whatever, there's so many, you know, so many things there. We could be say we're living this way, but if we would really truly understand symbolically as expressed what we're holding here, that we truly are loved. And that out of that love that we can live loved. When we embrace that reality, knowing that we are, does it makes a world of difference in our lives and the people around it gives us confidence it gives us assurance it gives us hope it puts everything in perspective of where we're at and how we are to live this is love not that we love god but that he loved us and gave us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus came with that goal in mind to love us to death, which he did on the cross for us. And the night before he did, he took and reminded the disciples and assured them of his own love for them, but he warned them of what was about to take place and what he had to do for the sake of loving them and loving all humanity. Jesus held up a piece of bread and he says this, this is my body that's going to be beaten. It's going to be pulverized. It's going to be bludgeoned. It's going to be put to death for you. Eat in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. scripture says later on in the supper somewhere in the time he goes he held up a cup he wasn't done he said now I want to express to you a new covenant with my blood that's going to be shed for all of mankind's sins I want you to drink in remembrance of me let's do that together
take a moment, thank him in your own words. What we just experienced symbolically for what he did in reality for us. All in the name and the power and the strength and the sacrificial love for us. Lord, all we can say in our fetal attempts to express back to you is thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And what you've done to save our very souls, to transform our lives, to offer love because you paid the price that we can experience your love. That we just call upon you, Lord, fill us with your love, that deep well of love that will truly satisfy our soul. Lord, we have needs. doesn't mean that we're completely satisfied in this life. We have needs for all the things that you provide for us in this world. And we live in the already, not yet. We will be perfect. We'll be completely whole. doesn't mean that we won't have needs. But deep down, Lord, you meet the very need of our very soul, that knowing that we are loved. Lord, will you help us to live loved this week? Lord, out of knowing deeply that our well of love is filled, that we can bubble over in that love to the people around us. Lord, those who are here today are not feeling that feeling of love. Will you fill them right now and remind them of that love right where you, you meet them right now? Because you proved it for us. You loved us first and proved it for us that we can receive it. And now, Lord, as we go from this place, God, that we can express that love and give that love that it just flows out of us in many, many ways, Lord, that we would come back together and we would have others that would join us and celebrate that love as it reached out to the people around us. In a love-starved world, Lord, will you use us as your people in this community? We ask, Lord, as we go from this place and, Lord, where there's pockets of need still, Lord, in our life, will you just give us and fill us with love that, God, it would overflow, we pray in Jesus' name.